Good evening. For WBAI News in New York, I'm Linda Perry, and here's some of the news. This Monday, January 1st, 2019, Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday. Israel today claimed responsibility for a series of airstrikes on Iranian military targets in Syria. It drifted further away from its long-standing policy of playing down or covering up its military activities in the war-torn country. For years, Israel has remained largely silent about its attacks against Iran and its Shiite proxies operating in neighboring Syria. In recent weeks, however, military and political leaders have become increasingly outspoken about their activities. In Venezuela, the Supreme Court says it's throwing out recent congressional measures that found Nicolas Maduro's presidency illegitimate, with the pro-government justices ruling that leadership of the opposition-dominated Congress itself is invalid. The high court magistrates say in a statement issued today that Venezuela's chief prosecutor could determine whether to bring criminal charges against congressional leaders. Here in the U.S., a half-dozen Democratic presidential prospects fanned out across the country, getting their voices heard on the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Among them, in Washington, former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg spoke at a King event alongside former Vice President Joe Biden. Biden is now accepting responsibility for his part in the passage of the 1980s legislation that toughens sentences for crack cocaine possession. He calls that legislation a big mistake because of its damage to the black community. California Senator Kamala Harris today announced she's running for president. She would be the first woman and second African-American to hold the presidency. She's the daughter of immigrants from Jamaica and India. But she's being called out for when, in her former role as attorney general, she upheld wrongful convictions, even though they were secured through official misconduct. This included evidence tampering, false testimony, and the suppression of crucial information by prosecutors. Possible presidential contender in New Jersey's Cory Booker appeared at an MLK event in South Carolina, and so did Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. He spoke out at the annual King Day at the Dome Rally in South Carolina. It gives me no pleasure to tell you that we now have a president of the United States who is a racist. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, We have a president of the United States who has done something that no other president in modern history has done. What a president is supposed to do is to bring us together. And we have a president intentionally, purposely, is trying to divide us up by the color of our skin, by our gender, by the country we came from, by our religion. Sanders said Dr. King reminded us of our courage of conscience to fight for justice of every kind. What would have been a holiday for federal employees is now day 31 of the partial government shutdown. There are no signs of progress. Democrats have dismissed a plan that Donald Trump describes as a compromise. In celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the Riverside Church in New York City held performances this weekend of Turning 15 on the Road to Freedom. It tells the story of Linda Blackman Lowry and groups of children who left school three times a day over the course of several years to silently walk through Selma, Alabama to protest practices which prevented blacks from voting. Linda Blackman Lowry was jailed nine times before the age of 15. 
And during a peaceful march that became infamously known as Bloody Sunday, she was brutally beaten. Images of peaceful black protesters being attacked by white Alabama state troopers launched a nationwide movement. It culminated in the historic march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, led by Dr. King. Five months later, President Lyndon Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which was to abolish any laws that stopped blacks from voting. Linda Blackman Lowry was in the audience for the Riverside Church performance of Turning 15 on the Road to Freedom. She spoke after with cast members and Pastor Amy Butler of Riverside Church. Jessica Brockington was there for WBAI, and here's our report. My grandmother used to say, if you let something own you, that it would take away you from being the person you were supposed to be. Linda Blackman-Lowry, in a talk back over the weekend at Riverside Church in Manhattan, honoring Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. After the matinee production of the musical Turning 15 on the Road to Freedom, Lowry speaks with cast members and the pastor of Riverside Church, Amy Butler. What an honor to have this story told here in our theater. Linda, welcome. Thank you. Tell us all about how you decided it was time to write this story down. I really didn't decide it was time to write this story down. For 40 years, I could not think about um, this story. I couldn't deal with the things that um, happened. But I met two beautiful people named Susan Buckley and Elspeth Leacock. And um, as they started me to talking about the things that happened, they decided it was time that we write this story. And that's how the story got told. I think because certain things um, in the story I, I still cry about, I, I still dream about, and um, I still have nightmares about. So I am blessed to have them as friends, and they thought that this story was worth telling. We got down on our knees, because you know, that was normal. You marched, you stopped, you prayed, and then you turned around and went home or you went to jail. So I was on my knees when I heard these sounds. And then a cloud of smoke was burning my eyes and my lungs. And I couldn't see and I couldn't breathe and it was terrifying. And I didn't know what them, but it was tear gas. And then all of a sudden, I felt a man's hand grab me from behind, pulling me backwards. So I turned around and I bit his hand. And that's when he hit me, he hit me twice, hard. And I was still struggling to get up when he hit me in the back of my head. So I staggered up and I ran straight into the tear gas. But that big white man, he kept following me and beating me. And all around me, people were screaming and hollering and yelling. And my heart was pounding so fast, I thought that it was going to burst from my chest. No! <clears throat> no, I must have fainted. Because when I finally came to, I was lying on a stretcher. And some men were loading me into the back of a hearse. 
nor I wasn't dead, and I wasn't gonna let them put me in a hearse before it was my time. So I jumped off the stretcher and I ran. I didn't know where I was going, I just ran. When I got to the other side of the bridge, that's when I saw my sister Joanne. She had been marching farther back, and now she was lying in some man's arms, and she looked like she was dead. So I ran up to him, and I said, no, wait, stop! That's my sister! Oh, my God, they killed my sister! She's not dead. Now she just fainted. So I smacked her, and I smacked her to get her to wake up to look at me. When she opened her eyes, she started screaming. <laughs> it's okay. Now the state troopers, they were still around us, and I knew they were going to hit us again. So I grabbed Joanne, I jerked her up, and we ran until we got to First Baptist. When we got there, there were a lot of people who had been hurt. Child is bleeding bad. She's got to go to the hospital. I didn't know he was talking about me. Joanne was bleeding. She's bleeding at the back of her head. Oh, child, you gotta go to the hospital now. You gotta go. No, she's gonna be alive. They took me to the Good Samaritan Hospital. There were white doctors there. It was not a good day to be around white people. Growing up in in the segregated South, you you knew that um, white people didn't love black people and black people uh, wasn't supposed to love white people either. But at seven years old, I didn't know that they hated us so bad that they would let my mother die. Mm -hmm. And at seven years old, I made a vow that when I got big, I was gonna change things. And getting big meant the first time I heard Dr. King speak. And I'll never forget it, he said in that speech, that you could get anybody to do anything with steady, loving confrontation. And I heard it, but the second time he said it in that speech, he said, Linda, <laughs> you, can get anybody to do anything but steady, loving confrontation. And I remember jumping up, saying, oh yeah, that's how I'm gonna do it. And my grandmother pulling me back down, <laughs> saying, sit down and shut up, you in church. But uh, I knew that there was a lot of people that I was gonna be with and we were gonna change things. I didn't know at seven years old, people, that I was making a vow to fight for women health issues. But I did, and I brought it to fruition. I had all those people with me. I was scared a lot of times, but you know, I had a big mouth. <laughs> and when you got a big mouth, and you don't like to follow, you have to be brave a lot of times. <laughs> I don't think I was brave though. I call it determination. My grandmother always made us feel like we were the best things on earth. We, had, we didn't have any self-esteem problems. <laughs> we, she had us, 
she had us uplifting each other. We spoiled each other in the GWC homes. And people always said, look at them. They think they something. <laughs> but my grandmother told us we were something. And we had that in our mindset. So it was easy to easy to go out there and, and let our voices be heard. I woke up this morning with my mind set on free. My favorite song is Woke Up This Morning With My Mind <laughs> on Freedom. Mm. That's, that's my favorite because a lot of times I woke up <laughs> just singing that song so I could get out. And, and, and do. But um, in the second one, we shall overcome no matter what. We shall live in peace. We shall live in peace someday. Oh, deep in my heart. to our spirit, well it does to mine. Mm. And um, it was the song that, that led us through those nights in jail. It's just my song. <laughs> you know, I was, I was watching the play and thinking about some of the questions I wanted to ask all of you, and I was so happy that Toward the end of the play, the script addressed the issue of fear. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to ask you about that, about how you handled the fear and what this experience taught you about facing down fear. My grandmother used to say, if you let something own you, that it would take away you from being the person you were supposed to be. I was really scared that morning when I came out of that tent. All I could think about was, there was nobody my color beating me on Bloody Sunday, and there was nobody my color protecting me today. And these, it, it was three guardsmen that looked just so menacing they had those guns and looked like they were looking just at me and I got scared. I ran back in there saying, don't let them kill me. And they, and they were the first three come in the tent to see what was wrong. That made me mad too. <laughs> but I had some, some, some wise women that felt they were going to send me back home. But they said they couldn't send me back home as terrified as I was. I don't remember a whole lot of things that they said. But I do remember Jim Lethra. And this white man was telling me he would lay down and die for me. Well, y'all, I thought about it. 
<laughs> but I knew he couldn't, and all I could hear was my grandmother saying, be determined. When you start something, you got to finish it, child. You got to take it to the end no matter what the outcome. You got to finish it. And all I could think about was I had to finish that march. I, he was tempting to let him die for me, though. <laughs> but I also knew that he couldn't do that. The second day of the march from Selma to Montgomery started an hour late. All because of yours truly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was determined to go all the way because all I could hear was grandmother. And if you heard my grandmother fussing, you do whatever it was. Well, I marched through the storm and I marched through the rain and I've marched through some sickness and some heartache and pain. And I laid on the ground and I looked up to the sky And I prayed to the Lord up above and asked why But oh no, I'm not tired, I'm not through marching yet And I'm a-marching till I die, oh children, this you can bear So we say I'm gonna sing out I'm gonna march on Everybody say I'm gonna sing out I'm gonna march on Let me hear you On August 6th, 1965 The United States Congress passed the Voting Rights Act We, we won! <laughs> the Selma movement was a kids movement. We didn't know it at the time, but we were making history. You, you, you have a voice too. So stand up, speak out, vote, because a voteless people is a hopeless people. And I believe that. I really do. Um, I had a lot of fears, uh, especially doing this show. Damaris Obi plays Linda in the show. She was first chosen over five years ago by Ali Sheedy for the role when she was a high school senior at LaGuardia High School for the Performing Arts. When I had first started, um, I got a lot of backlash. Um, I was surrounded by very, very wealthy people who didn't look like me uh, in school and at work. And uh, seeing this show turned people off just as I had feared at that, at that age a few years ago. And I remember um, I was walking out of the movie theaters with some friends and my phone rang and it was all over the news that Colin Kaepernick had kneeled. And I remember some of my friends and I, we started to cry because we had never seen defiance like that. Like how dare he, the audacity. And I remember being terrified to do this show. The next day we were going to perform uh, in a predominantly white audience and I was terrified. And Allie came up to me and said, have you seen the front of the New Yorker this morning? And I said, no. 
and she opened up her phone and showed me that the New Yorker had sketched uh, a depiction of Colin Kaepernick kneeling with his arms around Martin Luther King kneeling with him and Eric Reed. And I said, if Colin Kaepernick can do that, then I can get on this stage and I can do this and talk to people about it. Um, fear is uh, debilitating sometimes, um, but I think it takes people willing to sacrifice friendships, relationships, and even who you were in order to be on the right side of history. I want to ask one last question um, to Linda. As you're watching what's going on in our country in this moment, particularly how the Voting Rights Act is, is coming under fire, tell us what is going on in your heart, in your mind, and give us our marching orders. I think it's time for the children to stand up and march again. The desegregation laws of 1963 was fought hard by children the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was won by children. We have come full circle now. And I think it's time for the children to stand up again. To paraphrase um, Common and John Legend in the song Glory, he says it takes the wisdom of the elderly and the energy of the young. One thing we did not do, we did not start and stop. We were consistent in our fight. And the children will have to pick up this mantle and take it on further. Mm. And I cry because I feel that we let everybody down. We thought we had arrived at something and we stopped. We stop fighting, we stop looking, we start trying to assimilate into a society that still doesn't accept us. But now, the children, children, you. You have to pick up this mantle. You have to win this fight. Because if you don't, we will all fall down. There's a song we used to sing. I want to lift my sister up. She's not heavy. I want to lift my brother up. He's not heavy. 
I want to lift my community up. It's not heavy. If I don't lift them up, if I don't lift them up, I will fall down. So that's what we need to do. I hope all of you are leaving as inspired I, as I am. Oh, she I have one more thing you. to say, and this is important. We talk about the N-word in the play as not to offend anybody. The word is nigger. I was called nigger. My daddy was nigger. So was my grandmother and my siblings. We were niggers. We take that word, young people, and embrace it. It's no politically correct way to call me or anybody else a nigger. That word is hateful. It's hurtful. And it should not even be in our vocabulary. My daddy. My daddy was walking with me one day downtown, buying me a pair of shoes. And I remember looking up at him, seeing this tall black man, shoulders square, head high, hat on his head. And we get into a store, Boston Bargains, and this little white girl younger than me asked my daddy, what you want, nigger? And I looked up at my daddy and saw his shoulders slump, his head down, and his hat in his head. And I want you, young people, old people, in and everybody, take that word out of your vocabulary. Don't let nobody use it on you, and don't use it on anybody else. That's the only way it's going to get out of the dictionaries if we stop using it. Thank you. After the performance, WBAI asks Linda Blackman-Lowry if she has any last words for our listeners. Today I'm just carrying away joy in my heart that um, the story of a 14-year-old, 15-year-old girl making change um, actually happened, that I am a, a living history maker and that there are a lot of history makers out there. They just have to recognize their voice and start using it. Jessica Brockington at Riverside Church in Manhattan for WBAI News, New York. I'm walking and talking with my mind.